I would ask kindly that you would turn with me to the book of Jude, the epistle of Jude. The epistle of Jude was written by Jude or Judas, the brother of James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it stands to reason that Judas was the brother of Jesus Christ or Jude was the brother of Jesus Christ. We are not told exactly at which point uh, Jude came to believe in Jesus and to serve him as his master and Lord. But what is wonderful is that he was included among those who were recognized by our Lord as apostles and leaders of the church. Jude was written to believers in general. Jude did not write to a specific group of people other than to say that his epistle was intended for Christians or believers everywhere. And the purpose of his general epistle was to exhort believers to continue in and to contend for the faith. Jude the Apostle of our Lord wrote this epistle primarily to warn against ungodly men who had infiltrated the church with the intention of corrupting the faith delivered to the saints. These ungodly invaders were advocating that once we become Christians, we can do just what we like without fear of God's punishment. Jude's concern back in AD 65 or AD 80, as some would have us believe, this epistle was written, and his urgent warning from his letter are even more relevant today as the church of Jesus Christ is presently under attack from without and within by perpetrators of unbiblical ethical standards and false humanistic philosophies. Brothers and sisters worldwide, there is an avalanche of ungodly invaders and intruders seeping into the church of Jesus Christ with diabolical doctrines and with evil practicings. Their intention is to dilute the message of the gospel and to encourage believers into lax living and ungodliness. Out of the design of Jude's epistle to saints in general comes three strong practical exhortations. The answer not only to the problems of the church back in AD 65, but to us also on this, the threshold of 1994. Jude in his book gave three strong exhortations. And I would like to leave them with you today. For it is very important 
that as believers in Christ, we come to the place where we can appreciate Jude's warnings and take hold of the truth that he shares with the intention to implement them in our daily lives and in the church today. Jude's first exhortation is found in verse 3. Verse 3 gives us his first exhortation. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend earnestly for that faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In essence, Jude is calling upon Christians to keep the faith. Keep the faith. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who want to be associated with some faith. But it is very questionable how many among them are truly keeping the faith. And note the definite article is used. Contend earnestly for the faith. Not a faith, but the faith. In the context of this scripture to contend earnestly, the meaning given here is to boldly and faithfully hold to, stand by and stand for the faith. Obviously, one cannot do this unless you know the faith, unless you have the faith. But it is time that believers know what they believe. It is time that believers stand up for what they believe. Beloved, if we do not stand for something, we will fall for anything. And I'm afraid that so many people who quickly come forward in a crusade meeting, lift their hands and say the sinner's prayer, and thereafter travel from church to church place to place don't ever come to the place where they know what they believe and why they believe it small reason that they become so easy prey for latter-day saints the mormons and for others who are bombarding the land with all kinds of religious philosophies it is time that Christians know what they believe and why they believe it. It is time we keep the faith. To contend earnestly for the faith is to keep the faith by living it, by bearing an experiential and holy testimony to it, by praying for the success of it, by supporting with our gifts our presence and our prayers, the preaching of it, and by our attitude to sinners and saints. It is time, brothers and sisters, to keep the faith. I cannot encourage Christians 
and especially the believers and adherents of this church with a flat, happy, lackadaisical attitude towards the glorious and wonderful tenets of this book. We must know the cardinal doctrines of our faith. We must build upon it. We must know them and know why we believe it. It is said that Pentecostal people are some of the most ignorant people when it comes to the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Many Pentecostals only want a nice tune and a nice dance and they just want to wave their hands and say glory hallelujah. But when the smoke dies down and you ask them what do you believe? They are most ignorant concerning the word of God. And the Bible warns us that we must know what we believe so that we can give proper account of our stewardship and our relationship to the word of God. Someone may ask the question, but why contend earnestly for the faith? Why contend earnestly for the faith? I like Jude. And one of the reasons why I like Jude is because he's such a practical man. Throughout his book, he tells us a number of things. And then he goes on to tell us why those things. He goes on to give us practical reasons for those things. So he says, brothers and sisters... Contend earnestly for the faith. But then he tells us why we should contend earnestly for the faith. You'll find this in verse 3. Contend earnestly for the faith because of what it is. Because of its value. Its worth. Because it is God's divine design for humanity. Because it is God given. It is the word of faith. It is the faith of the gospel. It is the mystery of faith. It is the most holy faith. It is the common faith of believers. The whole scheme of evangelical truth. The trinity, the deity and sonship of Christ. The divinity and personality of the Holy Spirit. The state and condition of man by nature. The inspiration of the scriptures. The grace of God in election. Justification by Christ's blood. Imputed and imparted righteousness. Regeneration. Sanctification. Final perseverance. The return of Christ. The resurrection of the dead. And the future glory of the saints. And the eternal condemnation of the lost. This is our faith. Without it, we would be... Mariners on the sea without a map to guide us. We would be people still in darkness without the good news. Lost and hopeless. Miserable sinners still groping in the blackness of our eternality. But because of the good news that has come. And because this good news has brought us salvation, we are a people of the faith.
Why contend earnestly for the faith? The second reason we are to contend earnestly for the faith is because it is a charge to keep. It is a charge to keep. It was delivered to the saints, Jude says. First, it was delivered to Christ, our mediator. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And the faith was first given to Christ. It was promised and pictured through the prophecies of Old Testament writers and ceremonies. Christ delivered it then to the apostles. For they were to go and teach to men everywhere those things that he had committed unto them. And then the apostles were to teach it to individuals who had proven themselves worthy of leadership. And so the faith has been passed on. It is the revelation of God in Jesus Christ in his word given to men that he has called throughout the ages to preach it and to teach it yes it is a charge to keep it is a valuable prize worthy of our utter total and greatest concern why contend earnestly for the faith the third reason that jude gives us why we should contend earnestly for the faith is because the church of Jesus Christ has been invaded. He gives this to us in verse 4. Note what verse 4 says. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Why contend earnestly for the faith? We are to contend earnestly for the faith. We are to maintain visual alertness. We are to stand by and stand for the faith because we have been invaded. The church is under attack. They are dangerous and committed individual to devilish schemes and designs and they are bent on corrupting the faith and they have three things on their agenda you'll find those three things in verse 8 verse 8 carries the agenda of these individuals who have crept into the church unnoticed one, they have come to defile the flesh. They advocate that it is okay to live unclean and to practice sinful and wicked behavior as members of the body of Christ. And I heard the Apostle Paul say, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No! We who are dead to sin should live no longer therein. And I would warn us, I would warn us today.
from the depths of my being that the church is being infiltrated by individuals who tell us once you have trusted the Lord it's okay you can live like you want and do what you please and you can practice sin that is not what the Word of God teaches my Bible teaches me in first John that he who is born of God does not practice sin yes this thinking is worming its way into the church and among clergymen it is becoming a way of life among certain in our ranks the second thing that these invaders in the church are doing they are according to Jude's epistle encouraging people to despise authority which authority was he talking about to live as you please despising the rule of Christ and his word despise the rule of Christ and his word brothers and sisters every believer who is born again is not only called to Christ as Savior but is called to Christ as Lord and I'm afraid that in certain quarters of the church people do not want to hear about the Lordship of Christ so much of preaching you listen to it so much of preaching today is come to God for what you can get come to God he will bless you physically he will bless you materially he will bless your home he will bless you he will give you you will get this come and get come and get come and get come for what you can get I declare to you that is not the totality of the message we are not called to Christ only for what we can get we are called to Christ for what we must become we're called to be his servants we're called to call Christ Lord to bow at his scepter and acknowledge his lordship over our lives but these people who have crept in unawares they have come in in a very subtle form are preaching a gospel that tickles the fancy and excite the passions but does not get down to the core of surrendering our lives to Jesus totally and completely thirdly these people who have crept into the church come with the message of slandering dignities they speak evil of the Apostles of pastors and church officers refusing their leadership and dishonoring them they tell us don't worry with the structural formation of the church in terms of respecting pastors and deacons and elders don't bow to discipline don't accept control after all we're all Christians we can do what we like brothers and sisters that's a diabolical doctrine hatched in the very bosom of hell I say to you that's not the Bible that's not the Bible we are members one of another 
And this corporate body of the church must always operate under the headship of Christ and with due regard and respect for other ministries and gifts that God puts in the church not only for edification but also for direction and discipline. Jude described these invaders as enemies, dreamers, brute beasts, spots, clouds without water, autumn trees without fruit, raging waves of the sea, wandering stars, murmurers, complainers, mockers, and sensual persons. He spent some time talking about them only out for gain, money. They're doing what they're doing for the sake of money. Brothers and sisters, let me make something very clear. I believe that the church must care for its leaders. I believe it's the responsibility of the church to financially and materially care for those that God has placed in authority over the church. For those who teach and preach, for those whose lives are taken up with caring for the flock, it is the responsibility of the flock to care for the material needs of these individuals. However, however, the Bible warns that no servant of God must be greedy of filthy lucre. And there are some preachers around today that money seems to be the theme of their message. Money, 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 money. And I'm warning us to watch out, to be on guard. I have heard tell of people whom preachers called upon to go and take out all their savings and to give their savings to them to advance the gospel. I have heard of preachers who have told people to go and take out monies from the bank, borrow them, so as to make them available for them. And these preachers are driving Roll Royces and Mercedes and live in palatial mansions while their members are scrunting. That's not of God. That is not of God. I will never support it. I will never accept it. I will never endorse it. I believe a shepherd of the sheep. We are to be sensitive. We are to be alert. We are to live with wisdom and reason. And we are not to lord it over the people of God. Neither are we supposed to be in such a state that we cannot lift ourselves up to help someone. There has to be a godly Christ-like balance. A balance that brings glory to God and blessing to the flock. Yes, Jude was very concerned that we should keep the faith. And those are his reasons for appealing to us in his first exhortation to contend earnestly for the faith. Secondly, out of Jude's great concern for the church 
came his second exhortation his second exhortation his second exhortation is found in verses 20 and 21 verses 20 and 21 and this is what he says he was talking about these people these evil invaders but now he switches to the church and he says to believers but you but you but you but you beloved build yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit keeping yourself in the love of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life so the second exhortation is build up construct on your most holy faith the first keep the faith contend earnestly for the faith the second build yourselves up on this most holy faith he did not say build yourself up in he said build yourself up on your most holy faith what is jude saying here jude is saying that it is the responsibility of every child of god to give attention to his or her spiritual development and growth which is a primary importance to the believer it is my duty to do this i am your senior pastor and as long as i am here as your senior pastor i will by god's grace care for the flock of god i will see that those under my charge as fellow pastors so live and conduct themselves to be a credit to god and this church i will expose this church to facets of ministries and ministers who will enrich and edify and bless the church but when i would have done all that it is your responsibility to build yourself up on your most holy faith i cannot do that for you too many church members here in nairobi and yea around the world are leaving their Christian development and growth to radio preachers, television speakers, to cassettes, cassettes, to a periodical book they pick up now and then. And that seems to be the sum total of their building up. That is dangerous, brothers and sisters. We are to remember, brothers and sisters, that God loves us. He said, build yourself up on your most holy faith the building up of yourself on your most holy faith is a daily continuous ongoing responsibility it is the life you must live 24 hours a day when you are seen or when you are not seen it is what you must do for your own spiritual well-being Again, I like Jude's way of operation because he did not just tell us to do this and left us to wonder how to do it. He told us how to do it in verses 
21 and verses 20 and 21. This is what he says. But building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying, praying, praying. So he told us how to do it. We have to pray. Prayer must become the vital lifestyle of the believer. It isn't something we do when we feel like it. Once in a while, it is something that must become a way of life. Small wonder that the Bible tells us pray without ceasing. Small wonder that the Bible tells us pray always. We are to assume an attitude of prayer. We are to be people of prayer. We are to avail ourselves of corporate and individual prayer. We are to pray, pray. And when you have prayed, pray some more. We are to pray. Jude went on to tell us how to pray. He said, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. How does one pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, my search in the scriptures and my study suggests that we are to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to assist us in prayer. Jesus was the one when he was on earth with his disciples who prompted them, who showed them, and who taught them how to pray. Now that Jesus has gone and we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who is to prompt us and teach us and help us and show us how to pray. The Bible clearly indicates that the child of God should pray in one's own, his own language as prompted by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 and 15. Then again, in Romans 8, 26, he should pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. Those times when the deep of our hearts cries out to the depth of God's heart and words cannot give expression to what is inside of us and groanings assisted by the Holy Spirit come from an innermost being to God. Then thirdly, through the Holy Spirit's help, we are to pray in a tongue unknown to the one who is praying. We are to pray in unknown tongues. Paul said, I do this all the time. He said, I do it more than you are. And I want you to know that he who prays in an unknown town edifies himself, for he prays unto God, though he may not understand what he is saying. This is the kind of prayer that the church must engage in in these crucial and crisis days in which we live. Secondly, Jude said, we're to build ourselves up on our most holy faith by keeping ourselves in the love of God. What does it mean to keep ourselves in the love of God? To keep ourselves in the love of God is to ever keep in view God's love for us manifested in Christ Jesus. We are to remember, brothers and sisters, that God loves us. We are to live in that love. We are to find solace and strength and comfort in the fact that God loves us. His love has been manifested in Christ Jesus. 
And the Word of God shows us this. That's why we have to keep in the Word and let the Word of God make this very plain to us that we are the object of God's love. We are loved by God. We're not aliens or foreigners or enemies or outcasts. We are loved by God. For God so loved the world that He gave. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are to look to Jesus because He is not only the object of our faith, but He is the demonstration of God's love for us. God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up to die because of His love for us, we should live in this love. We should know that we are loved. And this love should encourage us, motivate us, stimulate us, propel us. But brothers and sisters, there's another side to this love. Whoever loves God should be obedient to God. For we display our love to God by our obedience for Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. We show our love for God by our obedience to God. The third thing that Jude said we should do in order to build up ourselves in this most holy faith, on this most holy faith, is that we should ever look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We are to look. The child of God is to live life down here with an upward look. We should be a people with a posture that is that of an upward look. Ever looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You see, the Greek word for looking here means earnestly expecting. The true believer should realize this is not all there is to life. This is a passing time. We are pilgrims. We are people of the blessed hope. The coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And so the believer should live life down here and every day so conduct himself so that he is watchful and ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are to live like Jesus is coming again. We are to look for His coming. The Bible says, Unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We are to look for the coming of the Lord. We are to live in earnest expectation. But is that true of us, brothers and sisters? Can it be that we're so caught up in our ambitions, our pursuits, our dreams and aspirations, that we are lost at times in this great quest and fail to realize that we are godly people looking for the coming of the Lord. Finally, 
Out of Jude's urgent message comes his third exhortation. And his third exhortation is found in verses 22 and 23. We are to share the faith that sinners and backsliders may be converted. We are to keep the faith. We are to build on this most holy faith. And we are to share the faith. This is how the New American Standard Bible puts it. Have mercy on some who have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. If then, believers, we are contending earnestly for the faith, if then we ourselves are building on this most holy faith, there is one action left for us to do. We are to share this most holy faith. For only as the faith is shared will those locked in sin, having fallen from the faith, with those controlled by the enemy, with those imprisoned by the snares of the devil, only will they be released and delivered as we share the faith. But we are to share the faith cautiously, lovingly, carefully, and with discernment, lest we become defiled with the mess that they're in. A little humorous illustration came, comes to me now. A man fell into a pit, and down in the pit, he was crying, Somebody help! Anybody there? Somebody help! And another man came along and heard him crying, Help! Anybody there? Somebody there? Help me! And you know what the man who came along did? He jumped into the pit and stood next to the fellow and said, Come on, let's get out of here now. A lot of Christians are like that. A lot of Christians are finding themselves in the pit to save people in the pit. That's high-class nonsense, brothers and sisters. You don't save people by going into the same mess that they're in. You stand on the side and you throw them a line. You stand on the side and somehow you reach out to get them. That's Jude's admonition. He says to us, Yes, in discernment, with care and caution, Save the doubting. Save those who are on fire. Save them who are prisoners of evil. But don't get yourself polluted in the process. We're to share the faith. Brothers and sisters, until we share it, others will not find it. Build on our most holy faith and share the faith. Here is his benediction. Verses 24 and 25. And this is our strength, our confidence today in this great exercise, brothers and sisters. Now, to him who is able to keep us from falling. Hallelujah! In the process, in keeping the faith, in building on our most holy faith, in sharing the faith, he is able to keep us from falling or stumbling. Unto him! Who is able to present us sinless. Hallelujah. Before the presence of his glory. 
with exceeding joy to God our Savior. <laughs> That's a good scripture for those who say there's no trinity. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I say to you on this, the threshold of 1994, we are able. We are able to keep the faith. We are able to build on our most holy faith. We are able to share the faith because of who Christ is, because of what Christ did, and because of where Christ is. We are able, I'm asking you this morning for a commitment. I pledge by the grace of Almighty God that during this year, 1994, as the senior pastor of this church, to lead you in keeping the faith, in building on your most holy faith, and in sharing the faith. I so commit myself, so help me God. That's my pledge, that's my commitment. But what about you? What about you, brothers and sisters? Because, you see, some of the greatest hurt to the gospel in Kenya and Nairobi is not the unsaved, but rather Christians. Christians who are failing to keep the faith. And as I stand here before you this morning, I, I am broken. I am broken by the lives of Christians who call themselves godly people and are not keeping the faith. They're doing everything else but keeping the faith. They are so preoccupied and caught up in the feverish pursuits of life, they are not building themselves up on this most holy faith. They're building themselves up on their bank accounts and their positions at work, and it's sad. And then when they die, they want to bring them here for me to bury them and talk nice things. Oh, this was such a godly person. High-class nonsense. And brothers and sisters, we are so taken up in our own pursuits. We're not sharing the faith. We're not reaching and snatching people from hell. The way we live is driving them towards it. May God help us. May God well, I have shared the word with you, and I must now leave it to the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Dear Father, we want to be honest and sincere with you. We don't want to play game and try to fool you, trick you, or even influence you. You are God. We are puny men and women, and we wholly bow in your divine presence and ask for your help. Assist us to keep the faith. Help us to live it. Help us to stand for it and stand by it. Help us, O oh God, to build our lives upon it. And help us to share it, that we may snatch from the burning those who are confused, lost, and in sin. I would ask that the heavenly benediction of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would now rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.